Hello and welcome back to uh, Winds of Change. I'm your host and uh, Bible teacher Keith McKenzie. I'll be with you for this session. This session we are uh, in part two of the introduction to the feasts of the Lord as outlined in Leviticus 23. Uh, this is an extremely exciting topic uh, for me. Uh, because uh, I began uh, scratching around this particular topic about approximately five years ago. And I began to notice uh, the things that uh, the Lord had in there that have always been there. And it is just extremely exciting to uh, see the, uh, the precision uh, that I find in the Word of God. And uh, a lot of times when we read passages, especially as a new Christian, we have a tendency to kind of uh, read right over stuff. And, 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 and that's good for our beginning because we need to have some familiarity with the, uh, the text before we actually get to know uh, that text better, like having a, a friendship with the, uh, the text. Um, so what I want to do uh, today is just quickly recap where we are with the, uh, where we left off uh, last time in our first part. Uh, in, in the uh, seven feasts or the moeds or the moedim of the Lord, these are fixed appointments that the, the Father uh, knows. And so what we're looking at here is uh, Jesus fulfilled the first four feasts, uh, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, and Feast of Pentecost. He fulfilled all these in his first coming, and he will fulfill the second feasts, we believe, and, and there's no reason not to because he did these things. And, and the part that really gets me that I've spent the time looking at is, is how this has just been passed over and it's not really being taught in the church. So I believe this is one of those end time uh, things in Daniel where it says knowledge shall increase. Obviously, we have a, a knowledge, uh, overall knowledge is increasing. They say knowledge is doubling every five years right now. And, uh, you know, just information. But I think also probably a better understanding of this is knowledge of the Word of God. Now, the prophet Daniel was told to seal the book until the time of the end. So Daniel was being given prophecies that he didn't even understand himself and which are now being unlocked in this present age. And one of the very, very top keys I've found over the last five years is the study of the feasts of the Lord. As you begin to look into it and you dig and you start to go back and what did these feasts mean to the, the, the ancient Hebrews who God gave these feasts to as stewards of these feasts, stewards of the word of God uh, that, they, that they were given. So we want to go ahead and we want to recap uh, part of this. And, and I, I want you to know, and the exciting thing is, is that as the, uh, the Lord's first coming, when Jesus, Yeshua, he was uh, actually controlling these events. 
um, you know, from the time that he presented himself as the, the Messiah on Palm Sunday to, you know, all the way up and through these dates. He, he would make comments like, my time has not yet fully come. And uh, so when we take a good look at um, some of these things and we begin to see the little timing issues that are in there, which when we start to go into the feasts one by one, we'll look at those a little bit closer. But suffice to say for right now is um, that he fulfilled those things not only on the very day, but the very hour that they were performing these these feasts in the, in the temple. Uh, you know, Jesus was not acting it out like the priests. He was performing it. These were rehearsals, and that's one of the ideas here for um, the feasts uh, that the, the Jews keep throughout their uh, calendar year. They are rehearsals for the real thing, and that's actually what... Um, uh, holy convocations, when you read that, the idea there is it is a rehearsal. And so when we rehearse things, we are doing them for uh, an actual event. <clears throat> and so let's go ahead and just uh, review what we did last time. Passover, Peshach, is on Nisan 14. And, and if you haven't seen, you should go to our website, check that out. That's www.amos.com. The numbers 37.com, Amos37.com. So when you, you go there, you can check these uh, the Hebrew calendar. It's radically different than ours. The months are different than ours. The days are different than ours. And their calendar is the calendar that Jehovah God gave us, the people, for signs and seasons. So if we want to be... Uh, and on God's calendar and understand his timing because throughout events which we'll see um, like uh, there's just for example the, the ninth of Av is something that has happened on our our civil calendar and on our Gregorian calendar what happened is is you have uh, the ninth of Av is an ominous day in Jewish history Okay, it was the day that the first uh, and second temples were destroyed on the ninth of Av. It also happened to be the same day that the, the many ominous things uh, happened to the Jews being kicked out of uh, Spain and Europe and, uh, you know, Hitler's uh, edicts and stuff. A lot of these things happen on the ninth of Av. But when you see it on a secular calendar, you don't make the connection. Because we, we're looking at April or August or something like that. And, and we're not, we're not, we're disconnected because of our calendar. So I, I uh, submit that to you. So let's go ahead and, and look at these uh, feasts. So anyway, Jesus fulfilled the first feast in review. Passover, Yeshua died on Nisan 14. All right? The very next day is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this was Jesus in the grave. Uh, the, the, he's like, he's, he's unleavened, flat, matzah, bruised, pierced, in the grave. All right? Feast of first fruits is the day that our Lord rose from the dead. So this is really Easter right here, what we would call. But that 
and on God's calendar and his name, he calls that the Feast of First Fruits. If you remember how uh, Mary was, uh, uh, she was outside the tomb and she hadn't recognized the Lord yet. And uh, she was communicating to him, thinking he was the gardener or something. And um, so Jesus says Mary in probably a tone that she would be familiar with in the way that he would call her name. And immediately she recognized, you know, Lord. You know, she's like, Rabbi. She, she, she recognized her Lord at that point. And, and he told her, don't cling to me, Mary, because I need to ascend to my father and your father, her God and my God. And so what happens is Jesus was going to present himself as the first fruits. Now, these things were going on at the temple. Okay, then the, the disciples are given instructions to tarry in Jerusalem for 50 days because what happens then is you have the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. Okay, the Jews have been keeping this feast, the Jews uh, of, of Pentecost, for about 3,500 years. All right, and so this is also called the Counting of the Omer. And uh, it was when the Ruach HaKodesh would be poured out and the church would be born. And it was born uh, as not a Gentile church at that point. It was, they were all Jewish. Jesus was a Jewish Messiah who, who lived the life of the Torah. He lived the life perfectly in accordance with God's laws and ordinances. So he perfectly fulfilled those things. And in his first um, coming, you know, he fulfilled all those things as priest. So these were priestly duties. The second half, which we're going to look at today, is he's going to perform kingly duties because he is both priest and king, like Mekeseldek. He's the, a high priest after the order of Mekeseldek. So what we have is on the counting from first fruits, they would count up, not down like we do. They would count up the counting of the Omer, and they would count up to 50. And when they got to uh, 50, that would be Pentecost, and that was the day that God poured out his Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. And uh, so we find a richness here in, in God's word in going back and, and uh, looking underneath uh, that English translation that we have, we look down and we start to see the, the Hebrew and we begin to understand uh, a richer and deeper meaning of what this meant, not only uh, to us, but what did it mean to them? That's a proper hermeneutic is uh, to understand what did this mean to the original audience and what was God communicating to them? And so if we review in Leviticus 23, you know, he says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Okay, so really we can say that these are the feasts of the Lord, 
All right. These are the appointments of the Lord, my holy convocations, which convocations, recall, means rehearsals. All right. It says, six weeks shall be done, but on the seventh day, a Sabbath rest of a holy convocation. Now the rehearsal. Ye shall do no work therein, and it is the Sabbath of the Lord, that's Yahweh God, in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, and ye shall proclaim them in their seasons. Now notice how when the Lord repeats something twice, which he does here, saying twice that they are his feasts, that we're to proclaim it, and that they are holy convocations. This is this is a repetition, okay? And and this is uh, God's moeds. They are his appointments, okay? And it actually happens to be the same word as when we read in Genesis uh, 1. He says, and the, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. <clears throat> now, the word signs there means is, is Hebrew for oath and it means a signal. All right. Like a like a, you should pay attention to signals. Right. God set them there for that. And for seasons. But that word seasons there is the same Hebrew word moed for feasts okay so god put those there and and you have to understand that the uh, hebrew calendar is based on not only a lunar calendar but also a solar calendar so they have a lunar solar calendar but many of the feasts are are done and especially as we move ahead to the next feast which is the feast of trumpets rosh hashanah and uh, this happens on Tishri 1. And this is a very exciting uh, feast. And we're just going to look at a few of the things here uh, in my notes that I have. And, and uh, you'll see a lot of this on the, uh, the site uh, if you want to see the actual notes and calendars. Uh, I commend you to go to that and just go to the Feast of the Lord introduction. And you'll, you'll see uh, some charts there. You'll see uh, uh, fulfillments. But it's, it's an outline that we're doing here in uh, an audio format. But the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, okay, which is the next feast. And it's very exciting because what you'll begin to see, and I want you to be sensitive to this as, as you begin to read your Bible, that it, it has relation to... The time of Jacob's trouble. You'll find that in Jeremiah 30, uh, Daniel 12, and Isaiah 13 are just a couple of places. It's also known as the day of the awakening blast. So this would have uh, to do with the resurrection. That would be Daniel 12 and Isaiah 26 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It also has to do with the day of judgment. Revelation 14, 18, 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15, and 2 Corinthians 5, 10. It also has to do with the opening of the books. And you're really, when you start to get a hold on some of this stuff and you become sensitive to these things, what you're going to notice is with time, you will notice that these things, uh, you, you'll start to begin to understand uh, Jewish idioms. Okay, Jewish uh, thought and teaching is more concrete 
in in their in their meetings than um, our our Western type of thought. Our Western type of thought t- tends to be uh, more of a um, uh, I'm losing the word here, but we we tend to um, have a f- philosophical or a symbolic uh, meaning, but the the Jewish uh, Understanding is is more concrete. It's very rigid, and especially when you start to uh, inspect uh, like uh, Paleo Hebrew, which is the original uh, Jewish alphabet was was given in a pictograph form. Uh, so they didn't only have a meaning of you know a, a a phonetic value. They have numeric value, which is unique to both uh, Hebrew and Greek, which is why I believe the Lord used that. But Hebrew itself, and and I'm gaining an appreciation for this uh, as as the years go by, that God has embedded within even the letters there is meanings because the the original letters uh, carried. Um, a level of meaning of a picture, like a house, and, and you know, an ox, and and, and there's, I, I commend that to you because I could go off on a serious rabbit trail there because that that is such a rich uh, study by itself, and uh, you can also find some information uh, out there on the web. We have some stuff on that. We're trying to build on that as time goes by because it's it is such a uh, rich topic, but back to the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah. All right, it's also called the Hidden Day. All right, and this I believe is a, and th- and this is according to to ancient Jewish uh, rabbis uh, going going way back um, that they call this the Hidden Day, and that, that's an obvious um, you know New Testament believer in in the Lord Jesus. We see this is a a, a reference to this being uh, the day of the Harpazo, the rapture of the church. So you'll see uh, Revelation uh, three chapters, uh, chapter three verses one through three, uh, sixteen and fifteen, and First Thessalonians uh, chapter five verses one through five. It also is known by Jewish tradition as the wedding day of the Messiah. All right, and that is Jesus Christ is going to be wed to the church, and uh, you can check out uh, scriptures Joel chapter two, uh, fifteen and sixteen, Isaiah sixty two, verses five through seven, Matthew twenty five verses six six through seven. This is also known as the day of the coronation of the King Messiah. This is probably what we. It's pictured in Revelation chapter 4 when the church is there and they're represented as as casting their crowns before the Lord. And you'll also find references to this in Psalm 98 verses 6 through 9, Genesis 49 verse 10. But this is a glorious uh, study. I can't wait to get into that, to just look at the... uh, just the Feast of Trumpets, because this is the next prophetic feast on the horizon. Okay. Um, also, you'll you'll notice that there is a uh, in in Malachi three sixteen, just before the Old Testament closes out. When I was studying this, I, I the the Lord kind of dropped this into my spirit, and 
it, it talks about a book. Okay, it's one of the things that I'd started to become uh, sensitive to, that in Malachi 3.16, just before the Old Testament closes out, like one chapter before it closes out. Okay, well, why don't we just go over and look at this uh, here in Malachi. Let's just jump over to and see this. This, is, this just really blessed me, and I hope it'll bless you too. So it says in uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, it says, uh, it's titled, A Book of Remembrance. And it says, Then those who feared the Lord, Yahweh God, okay, spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord, that's who, who revere him and who meditate on his name. And it says, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. And on that day, I will make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Okay? And it says, Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Now, <laughs> I tell you what, when I started to see this, when I started to get into the... Uh, the Paleo uh, Hebrew, which is the ancient picture language, which we talked about, the the name of God as revealed to to Moses, the Yahweh God. Okay, his his name is is the Hebrew tetragrammaton. All right, it's the it's the Yod Hey Vav Hey. All right, and when you read Hebrew, you read it from right to left and instead of the way we read we read from left to right so you do that but quickly uh, we have an article on this it's called his name but anyway when you look at that and you begin to understand which um a hey okay the first uh word all right would be or let's go sorry let's go back yod Okay, if we're going to read from from right to left, is uh, means like a, a closed hand. Hey, is is like a picture idea of of like a window to look through to behold. All right, vav would be like a tent peg or a nail, something that secures or fastens. And and then hey again, which means to behold or to reveal. And so when you begin to understand the, the picture meaning that, and you you meditate upon the name of uh, God, what you have is you have the yod hey vav hey, and it and it means behold the nail, behold the hand, and and that so reminded me of uh, Zechariah 12.10, when it says, And I will pour out on the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And in... We know as New Testament believers, believers in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, that we know that there's coming a time in, where Romans 11.26, where it says, And all of Israel shall be saved in that time. And that's when they recognize their Messiah. And that's just a little sidebar, but 
Uh, it's just one of those things that uh, you can be sensitive to as you go through the feasts of the Lord is it's, um, you know, the opening of books and opening of gates. So we just took a small look at that one and, and uh, just that one alone just blows me away of, you know, what's in God's word if we would just, you know, dig into it because he, he admonishes us to, uh, he blesses those who diligently seek him. And uh, that's part of what that book is all about. And I, I want your name to be written in that book, not only the book of life, but, uh, you know, to be, you know, to, to build yourself up in, in, in the most holy faith. All right. Feast number six is the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. All right. This is an awesome feast, too. This is going to be the... Um, the most solemn day of the year for the Jews, and what you'll find is they'll they'll all be dressed in white, and we'll get into this in a little bit uh, more. Uh, but we see that um, on the Day of Atonement, okay, is is outlined in Leviticus 23 uh, verses 26 through 32. This is the most solemn day of the year. And the Lord says, Ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even. And from even unto even. So that's a day, but their day begins at 6 p.m., all right, and goes all the way to the next day. So everything about God's calendar is radically different from uh, ours. So you need to be sensitive to these things, you know, because it comes down to this. If, if, we were supposed to meet somebody, and he said, I will be there on the 5th of December, okay? And his day began at 6 p.m. and ended at 6 p.m., and then we said we were going to be there, uh, but we were going by our day, and, and we would miss because their day actually is shifted by six hours from ours. Starts six hours ahead uh, of what our day would start ahead. So you, you need to be sensitive to these type of things, okay? Because when God created everything in, in the six days of creation, it said it was evening and morning. We tend to think morning and evening. So almost everything from the way we think is, is backwards from what, from what God uh, has for us. And it says, um, you know, so they fulfill this feast, and, and, they, and remember, these are rehearsals. And this is a rehearsal for, uh, it's going to be uh, the national um, day that God redeems Israel. And, and so this is a rich uh, study in itself when we, when we get there. And um, so we'll look at, um, you know, they will, they will ultimately find, I believe, this is this is my conjecture. I believe that this feast will be fulfilled um, in the time of Jacob's trouble, which obviously we just talked about in the Feast of Trumpets. That will begin because these things need to happen in an orderly manner, and um, in in um, the uh, book of Hosea, if you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was rejected uh, by by the leadership. He, he walks out of the temple, all right, before the crucifixion, and he says something very interesting in Luke 13, 35. He says, see, your house 
is left to you desolate. And assuredly, I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, he was uh, quoting uh, scripture there, okay? But the reference is, and I want you to understand, when we'll link this up with um, Hosea uh, chapter 5, verses 15 through 6. Three, he says, um, I will return again to my place. Okay, so this is God speaking, Yahweh God. So if he left or he's returning, he obviously he's, he's left. And it says, I will again return to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Now that's singular, uh, singular offense. It says, then they will seek my face, my face in their affliction, in their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. And this will be during, I believe, during the, the time of Jacob's trouble. And they will fulfill this. They will call upon the name of the Lord. They will call on him and he will come in a thundering fashion as the uh, avenger of blood. Now, the seventh and final feast I want to go just touch on here is the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. And this is where they would build uh, booths and stuff. <clears throat> and this this has reference to the uh, ultimate fulfillment will be the uh, Davidic kingdom that God has yet to uh, fulfill th- for uh, King David, the promises he made to him. All right. In Revelation uh, 20, verses 2 through 7, we, we have uh, the millennium beginning. Satan is bound and, you know, put away for a thousand years. And I really struggled uh, with, with that particular thing is why would the Lord um, bind the devil and then release him? Why doesn't he just throw them in a leg of fire right there? Well, when we get to the Feast of Tabernacles, we're going to talk about that because it has everything to do with uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And once the uh, world system's been replaced by a perfect government by the Lord Jesus Christ where he will rule and reign, every decision will be perfect. Satan will be bound for that thousand years, but we will still have uh, the feasts, will be still be celebrated all right but there will the earth will be being repopulated at that time by the survivors after the great tribulation all right but they will still have their flesh all right the people who will be on the earth at that time will still have to deal with their flesh and they will still need to receive uh through their free will they will still need to receive christ as Messiah, and it says all the earth shall know him, but they still need to make that decision for him. So they will still be exercising their free will. So we'll talk about that more once we get to there. And also, it says uh, in Zechariah 14, verses 16 through 17, okay, as we wrap up today's study, it says, And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations, so that's after the whole Armageddon scenario and everything that goes on, and it says, The ones that are left of all the nations which 
came up against Jerusalem shall go up even from year to year to worship the king, that's the Lord Jesus, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So they're going to keep this after all this is going on. And it says, And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. So anyway, uh, the prophet Isaiah, Zechariah, and uh, a sprinkling here and there when we get over to the Feast of Tabernacles will speak uh, of the uh, millennium. Very interesting study in itself. Can't wait to get there myself. But anyway, that's a, a wrap-up of the introduction. Um, next show, we're going to go right into... Um, we'll, we'll quickly go through um, the, uh, the first four feasts that the Lord fulfilled in His first coming. And then we will uh, slow down a little bit going through the Feast of Trumpets and then Rosh Hashanah and then finally uh, Tabernacles. And uh, I hope that you've been blessed in this time. I'm your host and Bible teacher Keith McKenzie signing out for this edition of Winds of Change. Check us out on our website and uh, leave a comment, whatever. We... uh, We're here to uh, help equip you.